Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready! Throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jill Gallant. I'm joined by Evan Abrams each and every week. He's our research director here at the Action Network. And as usual, we're going to dive into all the Sunday NFL action for week 13. Brandon Anderson, he'll join us a little bit later in the show. He's going to have his hot reads. Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He'll give us an update on the sports books in Vegas and how they fared for this NFL Sunday. But Evan, as usual, let's look at Monday Night Football, Jaguars, Bengals, Jaguars, nine-point favorites with another total below 40 at 39. Uh, Jacksonville, though, eight and three against the spread. Best mark in the NFL while the Bengals are four, six, and one against the spread. I'm not sure if I'm going to be betting a side in this game, Evan, but I will say that it does not match up well for Cincy, uh, especially because Cincy's run game is non-existent for most of the year, and it was abysmal with Joe Burrow. It's been bad with Jake Browning as well, and Jacksonville's been quietly one of the best run defenses in the NFL. They're fifth in rush yards allowed, sixth in rushing touchdowns allowed. Also, Sean Kerner, our, our colleague, does um, spreads for basically backup quarterbacks. And he had Jake Browning as arguably the worst backup quarterback in the NFL at that point, based on like a minus six spread differential if he's playing as opposed to Burrow. So I don't know if I could really take a Bengals side here at nine. I think I'm leaning to the under here. What are you looking at right now for this game? Yeah, I'm not sure you could even talk about a side in this one, especially when it gets up to 10, because I can't talk about taking the Bengals for a number of reasons based off of things you've seen from Browning. But, I mean, from the Jaguars' point of view, probably the hottest team in the NFL right now, 7-1 ATS in their last eight. Uh, And from Jacksonville's point of view, it's their best start since 2007. So they're hot in itself in terms of winning games. Uh, and Jacksonville, in terms of Peterson, wins nine games, 21-8 and eight straight up, 19-10 and 10 against the spread. Uh, so they've done well there. And then the scary thing on the other side is the Browning stuff. Like, Taylor without Burrow has been literally atrocious. It's 4-20 and 20 straight up, 10-14 and 14 against the spread. That 4-20 and 20 number is just yikes. And you know sometimes Cincinnati needs Burrow to bail them out, so it just kind of proves what type of team they are especially in the past obviously they had some really tough years when Burrow was hurt um but in this one I'm just not sure I can like you said talk about a side uh obviously unders 13 and 1 on Monday Night Football this year 58 28 and 1 since 2019 so unders have been the ride it's at 40 right now now it's interesting to look that the look ahead total was 41 now just 40 so a very small move compared to obviously the spread that's moved an enormous amount without burrow so maybe the under is the play especially if we can get over that 40 number yeah and i mean so i've taken the over now in three straight monday night footballs i'm not doing it again because <laughs> i'm 0 three on that spot i'm not testing the gambling gods anymore <laughs> but i will say this is that 
if you like the Bengals, I think you might like the over as well, because I think that one way that they would score is probably in the opening couple of drives, those scripted plays. But I feel like if they don't get it going by then, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to manage and just manifest uh, offense in the second half here. And, uh, but uh, I will say Jake Browning as a touchdown scorer does seem interesting. It's around 12 to one. You don't really see a lot of anytime touchdown uh, odds for a starting quarterback at those odds. Now I did just mention, obviously that Jacksonville is really, really good against the run. So um, maybe not the best spot here, but also at the same time, I'm just saying there's not a lot of opportunity where you're able to get a quarterback over plus 1000, but from a touchdown perspective, I think I would lean to Zay Jones with the Jaguars. He's around plus 375 at BetMGM. So one of the reasons why I like Zay Jones is now he's only played five games this year, but does have two touchdowns, seven red zone targets. Earlier in the year, had a really good connection with Trevor Lawrence where he had like five red zone targets uh, in two games, uh, but was dealing with injury a lot this year. He's off the injury report now. Bengals pass defense starting to regress. They're 19th in DVOA versus the pass. They're going to be missing one of their starting corners as well, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, I really like all the pass pass catchers. I like Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk too, but they're all around plus 180 to plus 190. So I'd rather just look down the odds board, especially for a wide receiver that's playing over 75% of snaps. What do you think about Ingram? He's due, and I don't really <laughs> like betting touchdown scores when he's due, and I think the books know that too, that the the money is starting to flood in on that because you're starting to see him drop from plus 300 to less, especially with how the Bengals do match up against tight ends this year where they're bottom five in DVOA versus tight ends. I just don't like betting. It's the same. It's the Deontay Johnson paradox. I don't like betting on you to score your first touchdown. I'll I'll get back in on the train after you get through, but I, until I see it, I need to, I have to pump the brakes. I just don't want to, uh, especially with uh, this climate that we're in of touchdown scores where they're already harder to hit as they are. So, uh, but not, not crapping on the pick. It's more just, if it's not going to happen now, when is it going to happen? You know? All right. So that's Monday night football, but now let's start looking at Sunday, Evan, six teams on by this week. We had the Ravens, the Bills, the Bears, the Raiders, the Vikings, and the Giants. Uh, very interesting slate, too. Very good for favorites. 10-1 and one straight up, 8-3 and three against the spread. Favorites just crushing over the last three weeks. 33-8 and eight straight up, 25-16 and 16 against the spread. How did the public do, Evan, for, t- for this week? Same thing? Another roll. Another go. Uh, it's honestly been unreal. So 8-3 and three straight up, 8-3 and three against the spread for the public. Oh and it's God. important to remember the Good public. for them. 51% of tickets or higher on the spread. Uh, we use it according to Action Network, Action Lab. So, but eight and three straight up, eight and three against the spread. Now, big picture, you know, balloon view, uh, 100, uh, 114 and 70 straight up, 101, 78 and five against the spread. That is the best ATS start for the public in Bet Labs. So that's since 2005 through 13 weeks. That's entering mm-hmm. Sunday Night Football. So, We'll see how it goes, but right now that is the best start. One hundred one seventy eight and five against the spread. Been a hell of a ride, and a very public road favorite this week. Definitely the game of the week, maybe even the game of the year was Forty ers Eagles. Forty ers big road favorites, not big favorites actually, but big favorites for playing at the link at three uh, with uh, over under of forty eight. The Niners win convincingly, forty two to nineteen. Uh, total also goes over, especially in the second half, because the Niners. Offense really just started to get really efficient in the second half. They had six straight drives with a touchdown. Uh, and Brock Purdy, you know, the MVP stock rising. I'm not sure if I'm willing to put him as a favorite over somebody like Jalen or uh, or uh, maybe even Tua. But 19, 19 for 27 from the field, 314 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, in a pretty hostile environment against a pretty tough defense. I thought it was a pretty convincing win. Yeah, this one was super interesting from multiple points of view, right? Uh, we had talked about this one coming off of the Eagles' overtime game last week. The amount of plays had to How play. many games they played yeah. in the last few weeks, too? That's true, yeah. yeah. In the last 13 days, that had been talked about as well. So, you know, a lot of tread on the tires going into this one. Uh, now, you talked about Purdy. I think it's interesting to bring up this stat. So 300 passing yards, four touchdowns, and no picks. Mm-hmm. He's only the second quarterback to ever do that in Philly. Kirk Cousins did that. So 300 passing, 300 passing yards, four touchdowns. How, how no good of a stat is it, though? I'm just, I mean, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Yeah. I'm just teasing. No, no, no. But, but you know. it, I, it, it's honestly crazy that, like, in these situations, he has stepped up. Now, he hasn't been as good on the road, 
right? Like his whole entering this mm-hmm. one, people had kind of talked about the fact that like different quarterback at home, they run over people. Games really yep. aren't close on the road. It's been a different story. This was completely different. Like people who handicapped this game entering the game talked about all the things that I feel like kind of came true. They just ran over Philly in a number of areas that they were either injured or what felt like a little bit weaker entering this game. Now, if this game gets repeated, if, you know, there's a little bit of rest involved and, you know, I think it's, I think there's a little bit of a different story, but I think the handicap for this week just kind of worked. Well, and this game felt like it was going to be competitive all the way through. I mean, the Eagles cut it to 21 to 13 and, but again, the Niners just could not be stopped from uh, a defensive standpoint, the Eagles defense just was not getting anything going and their run game uh, was pretty much non-existent. Uh, 46 rushing yards on 17 carries. They usually average about 30 rush attempts per game. So they couldn't really control the pace. And then of course we have to acknowledge at least that Jalen Hurts might've been a little banged up there, especially in the second half. He did leave for a little while. He did end up coming back, leading a touchdown drive, touchdown pass to Devonte Smith. But Early in the game, I thought the Niners were going to be in trouble because they had two three and outs. The nine, uh, the Eagles were driving down the field on two straight drives, ended up settling for field goals. And a stat that I saw before the game was that the Eagles had had 12 straight red zone trips with a touchdown entering the game, and they had to settle for those two field goals. I thought that was a really important stand for that Niners defense. Yeah, I think early on it didn't feel like the way it was the the way it ended. Right, like I, oh, it, it got it ended chippy. Up being, it got real chippy up- by the end. Got, got real chippy, but also kind of turned down into a blowout. Now, the Hurts injury, I, th- I think a few things happened that kind of led there. But early on, I thought it was going to be kind of a juggernaut battle, but it ended up turning out to be kind of what the spread ended up dictating, which was market, money, everything went San Francisco's way, and they look great. Now, San Francisco, I-, I think it's interesting to kind of look forward a little bit. This game was what it was. I think we're both gonna we're gonna see both these teams going forward. San Francisco's laying tw- San Francisco's laying twelve next week at home against Seattle. Obviously, Seattle now on a little bit of extra rest off that Dallas game, um, but huge, huge number. So healthy all around. I kind of like Seattle, but they're supposed to maybe Kenneth Walker back. So maybe that number gets a little higher. Yeah, for sure. And the Niners, obviously, I think are going to be laying pretty heavy numbers, I think, the rest of the way because they've got the Seahawks, the Cardinals. Now, the Ravens might be a little bit closer, but they are hosting the Ravens and then the Commanders and Rams to finish out the year. But the Eagles, I'm more interested in how their schedule is about to go now because now they have to go on the road next week to Dallas. They are going to be three-point road dogs at this stage. It might grow depending on what kind of injury status we're seeing with Jalen Hurts. But I'm not sure. Simon, uh, as part of the Favorites podcast, he, he mentioned that this spread may go to four. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. I think that will still get back down to three. But uh, again, their schedule, you've got the Cowboys, then that same Seahawks team, Giants, Cardinals, Giants to end it out. But this is kind of the Cowboys opportunity where if they were able to get a win here, the race to the NFC East gets a little closer. I mean, has Philly ever entered Dallas with Dallas more hot than this? So, I mean, if the the spread's going to go to four, especially Dallas at home and what they've been doing, it's been absolutely unreal. So, um yeah, I could see anything. I, I think just like, listen, I was enticed by the three when it got there. I think if it got to four, especially that's a pretty keen number in that situation, it's going to be pretty enticing. But I think you also have to, you know, get some early word on Hertz this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the early betting will move that market and you'll see kind sure. of it, that money, I think, will show you if whether or not he's actually uh, feeling good uh, going into the week. All right. So that was. Uh, Probably the most high-profile game of the day, but another game that had some had some cachet was Broncos Texans and uh, Texans win twenty-two to seventeen. Texans do cover as three and a half point uh, favorites. The total does go under of forty-seven and a half. Interesting now with the Broncos, uh, who had won six straight coming into that game, uh, now six and six. Uh, tough loss. Again, both of these teams are pretty much right in the mix in the AFC uh, playoff picture for the wild card spots. But now the Broncos, they've got the Lions, the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Chargers coming up for the remainder of their schedule. That feels a little tough to be able to make it, especially when you consider the Texans now sitting there with the Jets, Titans, Browns, and Titans again, and then the Colts to finish off their season. I'm kind of thinking that the Broncos let this one slip away, and it might cost them the playoff spot going forward. 
Yeah, I, I think we did a good job slotting this one second because this is massive in the AFC picture. I didn't think it was going to be massive maybe a few weeks ago or definitely before the season. But no. as we get here right now, absolutely massive. And from a person who had Houston Moneyline, I feel like I got Russ. I got the Russ I wanted, right? I got the Russ I thought I was going to get. I got the Russ that thought the streak was going to end up breaking at this point. It wasn't going to keep running. It was something that, you know, Obviously, the NFL is a roller coaster, and one touchdown, three interceptions, 186 yards, yep. especially the bad interception to end the game. I feel like it was the right handicap. Uh, obviously, Stroud gets hurt, and it's all you know. All of a sudden, you get a little bit of a uh, flux in the middle of the game. And then Tank Dell gets hurt as well. So Houston went through a bunch of different things during the game, but still comes out on top. Also, fun to note: Houston, Indy, two first teams over their preseason win total. So. AFC South, which we could talk about. We could see three AFC South playoff teams this year. We'll talk about that Colts team here in a little bit. Yeah, I would not have predicted that at the start of the year, given the way the AFC playoff picture was. I think that take Dell injury is a little underrated of going forward. I know I I love CJ Strata. He can make other guys become better, but tank Dell was such a safety valve for him, especially on the run. Uh, making a converting third down stuff like that so uh he was one of their best playmakers and he's probably out for the rest of the year now so uh that's a tough tough loss but that russell wilson game that you were talking about he's only had in his career because i went and looked it up now he's played like 150 games at least in his career but he's only had four three interception games he's not really that type like he'll have like you know a turnover maybe a turnover streak but he doesn't really have uh, a lot of turnovers in one game. He has had one three turnover game like that with the Broncos so far, but again, very efficient usually on the turnover front. So uh, especially the way that it was iced like that for the Texans felt like it had to be done. But again, the turnover luck for them that they've had over the last six games, it had to turn. Right. So, and I mean, Russie had 44 passing yards from the half, not a lot of run game as well. That's another thing that's been going on for the Broncos because they, again, now only have, three or four rushing touchdowns this year. Russ has two of them. Russ was uh, the second leading rusher on the team today. Like that can't happen for the Broncos to be successful. So uh, the Texans though, they're not completely out of it in the AFC South. I'm not saying that they can win the division again. It's pretty much the Jags to, to, especially with the Jags schedule that's remaining, but I still think that that Texans team, if they match up with the Jags, I still think that they could probably get there. They just don't have another game, obviously, the rest of the season with them. But um, I, I'm, st- I'm just saying that I still feel like there's an outside chance that the Texans can win the AFC South and that it's maybe interested in betting because they were probably around plus 300 to win the AFC South entering today. Uh, I imagine it's probably around the same odds uh, after today. Yeah, I'm a believer. I mean, I'll believe in Houston to catch Jacksonville before I believe in Indy. Jacksonville to hold it out, yeah. <laughs> I still can't believe in Indy. Like, I, the, the, oh, story, really? okay. the story yeah. behind Indy to me all year, and maybe, listen, as gamblers and people who kind of go through this sport week to week and just very granular to it, sometimes we have blind spots, right? There's certain things maybe we have uh, things we've known in the past that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're not adjusting to. I just, I'm not doing great with Indy. I just feel like they're a team that's excelling and doing well and performing well this year. And I continue to kind of not rate them as such. So I think I'm pretty surprised by what they've done. And if I'm going to pick a team, I'm with you. I think Houston, you know, I think that, listen, the Tank Dell injury really does hurt, right? Like they had an offense that was able to kind of extend the field and do things that probably helped other parts. And now if tanks out, maybe it hurts that a little bit, but CJ Stroud's been unreal. I know we've talked about this every show, but 20 touchdowns, five interceptions through 12 career starts, you know, today eight yards per attempt with no interceptions. It's kind of just beautiful. Uh, That kind of game he plays, it makes it easier on the offense and the defense. So it's just kind of like Houston. And the Texans have to basically face the backup quarterback the rest of the way. Yeah. The Jets, two <laughs> two times against Will Levis and the Titans, and then whatever Joe Flacco, whatever's left to him, and Gardner Minshew, who we'll talk about him in a second, but he had a full Minshew game today as well uh, with the Colts team. And think about which, this with uh, Houston's defense. Denver, listen to this stat, 0 for 11 on third down. That just... I saw that, I had to look twice, but 0 for 11 on third down, that's something, that's some great work from D'Amico. 
All right, let's talk Lions Saints. Lions win 33 to 28. They do cover as three and a half point favorites and the over of 48 and a half hits. Don't get it twisted that that 28 points was, oh, they kept it close because the Lions pretty much came out and blasted them early and then they just sat on the lead. Yes, they did allow a few touchdowns near the end. Taysom, they finally put the ball in Taysom Hill's hands and good things happen because <laughs> I, I just, I can't politely say it anymore. Can we just not do it with Derek Carr? Like, I, he had to leave the game today for multiple injuries, different things like a shoulder injury, an ankle injury, uh, maybe a potential concussion. I mean, he was 7 for 12 for 84 yards at half with a touchdown, and he threw an interception on the first throw of the game. He had a fourth quarter, fourth quarter fumble that he lost that kind of put them in a bad position. And this was after last week where they were settling for field goals. They settled for five field goals in the red zone last week. I just can't watch it anymore with Derek Carr. So, yeah, I'm hoping the Saints kind of just start to drift away. We'll talk about the NFC South here in a second. But uh, Lions, again, they pretty much just bum-rushed them. Like Sam Laporta had an amazing game, 155 yards and a touchdown. But, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I took away from this is that the Lions now, they, they took care of this harder road game. They've only got one more game in a dome the rest of the year, and that's against the Bears next week. They're going to be pretty big favorites in that game. I imagine this offense is going to keep clicking they're probably going to finish with at least 12 wins. I think there's a way to look at this from both teams because I, I think you do have to look at it singularly from New Orleans' point of view. NFC South, man, you're just going to get this week in and week out from all the teams. It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be you know fun for a little bit. It's just there's flaws on all of those. Let's forget Carolina for a second because they have no chance of winning the division being eliminated. But the yeah, other three first teams – First team eliminated. Just, yeah, right. The other three teams going back and forth, there's good things, there's bad things, and I think it shows every week, right? The Dennis Allens to the Arthur Smiths to the Todd Bowles, someone's got to win this. So I think from New Orleans' point of view, I I think there's things to nitpick. There's something that isn't – now, listen, you went up 21-0. The offense looks fantastic. I understand that early on. Something just still also doesn't feel right with Detroit. Letting New Orleans without Shahid – back in the game and they had an opportunity to really steal the game at the end through a few different, you know, drives and, and this, this, and that. So to me, I'm a little scared of Detroit still, but also I do have to give it up to golf, eight touchdowns, two picks on the road this year, five mm-hmm. and one straight up. He's had 60% completion percentage in 14 straight games played very well. Uh, and it's really what I think his, leveling out and his lack of bad turnovers really keeps Detroit above the line, if that makes sense. You know what's funny, too, about New Orleans is that they have arguably the next two easiest games you could have of the year. They have the <laughs> they Panthers do. coming up 1-11 and and then face the Giants, where they could easily be right back at 5-7, and <laughs> se- or 7-7, seven and seven rather, 500, maybe potentially getting into the playoffs as a wild card or even stealing the division because the Falcons right now are 6-6. Six and six. We'll talk about them in the Jets game a little bit later. Uh, Bucks also 5-7, and seven, who also beat up on the Panthers today. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the only thing that really just to take away from me is the Lions. Jared Goff, from an ATS standpoint, continues to be a cash cow just hitting over 70% since being a Detroit Lion. A lot of good indoor dome games coming up with the Bears. They host the Broncos, They the Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings to end the year. So uh, I think you're going to still see a lot of offensive fireworks come out of this team, but you're right defensively. Some of these matchups coming up, especially the Bears, who I believe Chad Millman on today's favorite <laughs> show said that he was already looking at the Bears plus five yes. uh, in that matchup. And the Bears are kind of a team that could match up well with them. So that distrust that you have uh, should not be unwarranted, especially since when the last time they played, the Bears arguably could have stole that game. Right. So uh, it took a couple uh, fourth quarter comeback there from Goff to be able to steal that back. But. Very interesting. We're going to talk about uh, the NFC South a little bit more uh, as we go. But now it's time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking for at early Week 14 lines? Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! 19 South! 19! Louisville Soul Train! All right, week 14 hot read. We are 2-0 and again on the hot read this week. Texans Island coming through again. The Niners exposed the Eagles as promised. Hot read, 16-7-1 for the season. 70% against the spread on our picks. Let's get to this week. We're going back 
to Texans Island, but not the way you think. I think the market finally caught up to Houston. Six and a half point favorites against a really good Jets defense. I sort of feel like there might be some value on the Jets, but I'm going to stay away from the side. I can't abandon the island. We're going to take the under instead. Give me the under 37. We already know the Jets are not going to score, right? I don't need to tell you about that. Since the bye week, here's the Jets points total. These are like baseball numbers for runs scored. 13, 6, 12, 6, 13, and 8. That's it. 9.7 points a game in that entire stretch. Not 14 at any point. 14 is not a high bar. And look, some of those points are the defense too. It's ugly. I don't know if it's Tim Boyle. I don't know if it's Trevor Simeon. He wasn't any better. He was honestly worse than Boyle this week. So the Jets are not going to score. If they only get 10 points, then Houston has to get to 28 to go over this. Houston, for all the good things they've done, has scored 22 points or less all but four games this season. And we know Houston is good. But don't forget, the Jets' defense is still the best unit on the field. Jets' defense, remember, the past defense, when they played Josh Allen, when they played Jalen Hurts, Pat Mahomes, look what they've done to the elite quarterbacks. And C.J. Stroud has proven that he belongs in that mix of quarterbacks. But what's the rookie going to do against this nasty defense? I think this could be a bit of a rude awakening. Not necessarily that the Texans lose. I don't know how my feeling on that yet. But I do think they're not going to put up a huge number here. So I like the under. Some of our trends, we know these low unders are hitting 37 or below last four calendar years. 28-7-1 to the under. 80% hit rate on the under. This season, 38 or below. 16-4-1 to the under. 80% hit there by five points a game. Home underdog games, under 62% the last three seasons. Not going to fade Texans Island here, but let's fade the hype a little bit. Let's take the under 37. And then look, if you're going to make Dennis Allen nearly a full touchdown favorite, then on principle, I am forced to bet against him. Give me the Panthers plus six and a half at the New Orleans Saints. Look, the Panthers kind of look good today. They got rid of half the coaching staff this week. So how do they look? They play the Buccaneers. They hold their own for the most part. They fought hard. They covered. They lost by three, but they covered. They were in it the whole way. I thought Bryce Young played one of his better games so far this season. He looked confident. He's moving in the pocket. He's more aggressive. We saw more Jonathan Mingo down the field attacking receiver-wise. Chuba Hubbard, the run game looked good. Some good signs from the Panthers, and honestly, some bad signs from the Saints today. (laughs) Seven minutes into the game, They're down 21-0 to the Lions. I know that final score made it look competitive, but it was ugly quickly there. And there's been a lot of other warning signs with this team. Saints are 31st in a pass block win rate. So that line is not performing. And now Brian Burns, that pass rush for Carolina, I think they can make some problems there. On the other side, the Saints are dead last in pass rush win rate. So that bad Panthers offensive line, Bryce Young, all the pressure he's faced, I think he'll have a little bit more comfortability here. And then that vaunted Saints defense that's been so good for like half a decade now, 30th in DVOA the last five games entering the weekend, and then probably even worse after this Lions game. And the offense has been bottom five at home, so they've been much worse home than on the road. And look, you know I have to do the gruesome stats here. Dennis Allen, when he is favored for his career, 5-16-1 against the spread as a favorite. 24% cover rate, and he's never been favored by more than six. We're getting six and a half here. I don't think it's going to close that high. That's why we're grabbing it now. Which quarterback? Derek Carr got hurt in this game. I don't know if he's playing. I don't really care. Derek Carr, 33% cover rate as a favorite. He's lost 15 of the last 24 outright. It was Jameis Winston instead. 8-18 and a 1 against the spread as a favorite. 31% cover rate. Favored by more than three. 2-9 2-9 and nine against the spread, 18% cover rate. Jameis, Carr, Taysom Hill, I don't know, somebody off the street, I don't really care. You're giving me some Saints quarterback and Dennis Allen favored by almost a touchdown. I'm taking the Panthers every time. The Saints have covered two times the entire season. They've been favored in 10 games. They're 1-8-1 against the spread in those games. Failed to cover by six points a game. By the way, 
failed to cover by six in a six-point spread, you might lose this game. I'll tell you right now, I already miss betting against Dennis Allen. And if they do lose this game, this will be the last time we ever get to bet against Dennis Allen. They already played Carolina once. It was Bryce Young's second game ever. They only won by three points that game. We're getting six and a half. Give me the Panthers. Week 14 hot reads. Texans, Jets, under 37. And the Panthers, plus six and a half against Dennis Allen and the Saints. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Evan, let's continue. Let's now look at Colts-Titans, ultimate bonkers AFC South game. Colts win 31-28. to And the Colts do cover as one-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over hits of 42-and-a-half. And you said you couldn't get there with the Colts. Well, they have won four straight now. They're seven and five. Uh, they had the seven seed coming into the game. They still have it. I, th- I do think it's very interesting right now that they actually have the tiebreaker over the Texans. So right now, uh, the, te- the Texans still need to do a little bit of work to get in. But we still definitely could see three AFC South playoff teams today, uh, this year. And Evan, I, the other thing too, I know they gave up 28 points today. But if you look at this win streak, and obviously some of it is a little bit of crappy opponents, but their defense has been holding out pretty well. Only 16 and a half points allowed per game over the last four winning streak there. So uh, I think the Titans kind of allowed them to get a, a in there. The Titans actually, they came out fast, like two quick touchdowns from Derrick Henry. And that touchdown was with 10 minutes to go. But then the Titans offense didn't have a first down again until the start of the fourth quarter. So, uh, and really, I think the story that the main takeaway, Evan, that I had from this game was Titans special teams just really blew it today. They got decimated. Like the five minute sequence, I I need to break this down because I just find it hilarious. So the Colts block a punt and they get a touchdown. They go up 22 to 17. The Colts go for two. Gardner Minshew throws a pick. Give Titans two points back, and now it's 22 to 19. And then the Titans get the ball back and another blocked punt. The Colts now have the ball at the Titans six yard line, and they don't have their punter for the rest of the game because Stonehouse, uh, he just got rocked on that second hit. Uh, so, I mean, the game eventually goes to overtime. Titans get a field goal on the first drive, and then they get a walk off touchdown to Michael Pittman. So, a little bit of luck, a little bit of fluke there at the end. But at the same time, the Colts are just finding ways to win. There's even some, like, even when you go back to that game, the fact that one of those seven wins is against the Baltimore Ravens, that with Gardner Minshew, that they won 22 to 19. That's still, I think, one of the crazier wins you can think of, of outcomes for this season. But this Colts team, man, they're just, they're on their way up. And they've got a schedule right now where it's a lot of crappy quarterbacks on the docket right until the final week of the year. Full disclosure, anyone who uh, is watching the video portion of this podcast on YouTube, I, I just can't sit still when we're talking about the Colts, especially this it makes game. You, makes you feel gross. And when I, especially when they're, they're talking about the I had the Titans today and uh, anybody. Oh, yeah, we were, yeah, we were live at the you know favorites 
podcast we did in Hoboken today at the Shepherd and the Knucklehead. And, you know, Chad Millman on the Titans, I'm on the Titans, ever, you know. And then we're sitting there with a few Colts fans. It's just, it was brutal. Like, you know, obviously you talked about the punting. Uh, so much went the other way. And I just, you know, every week it feels like the Colts figure out a way behind Gardner Minshew to, you know, find their way across the finish line. You know, Titans had more first downs, better third down percentage, more yards, more rush yards, more possession, same amount of turnovers and lost the game based off of a number of factors. Frustrating, uh, you know, but is what it is. Um, listen, Colts, 10-2 and two team total over this year. So maybe that's where I'm failing to understand is that their offense continues to do things I don't get. Uh, and we always talked about this like Vrabel underdog stat. It's done well. But they are four and six ATS as dogs this year, so kind of reversing uh, fashion a little bit. And then last thing I'll note here: Will Levis six career starts, zero and six in the second half. So maybe something to uh, watch in the future there. Well, the Colts now their schedule coming up: they have the Bengals with Jake Browning, they've got the Steelers potentially with Mitch Trubisky because now <laughs> Kenny Pickett is likely to miss a few weeks with surgery to his ankle. Mm-hmm. Then have to play Desmond Ritter and the Falcons. Then have Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders, and then end it off with the Texans, which may end up deciding the final playoff spot, depending on how these two uh, play the rest of the year, right? So that should be a very interesting matchup to uh, end off the season. Cardinals Steelers. Cardinals went 24 to 10, and the Steelers' luck voodoo gets flushed down the toilet because as six and a half point home favorites, they do not cover or win outright the Cardinals shock them and the total goes under of 40 and a half really it's the Ravens who end up being the big winners this week because the Browns lost we'll talk about that game with the Rams in a little bit and the Steelers are now seven and five I think this game could be summed up from that one drive Evan where the Steelers can't convert on fourth down from the one yard line and then the Cardinals who are arguably bottom three for sure in the NFL drive the entire field for a 15-play, 99-yard touchdown drive. That essentially won the game because right after that, Kenny Pickett got hurt, Mitch Trubisky's in the game, and then uh, there was a big weather delay as well that kind of stalled the momentum of this game. Uh, But yeah, to me, the the thing that I just take away from it is that Pickett's been pretty injury-prone now in his first couple of years. I'm not saying it's it's a little bit of the protection from the Steelers because he's taking some pretty big hits. Uh, He's trying to hang out there in the pocket and he's just getting rocked. And uh, Trubisky is just such a big drop off from Kenny Pickett, which just shows you how much the Steelers quarterback situation is just in the toilet right now. Yeah, I'm going to agree there. Trubisky definitely is a decent drop off from Pickett. I don't know if it's a ton, but it, they're definitely on the opening drive. I know Kenny Pickett could do that too, but yeah, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's still pretty bad. It's hard to decipher a, a little bit. I, I looked back, Trubisky's had five starts with Pittsburgh. It's worth noting, I guess he's 0-2 at home, so hasn't won at home with Pittsburgh. His starts... Had a comeback against the Bucks last year. That's the big thing that I remember. His, his starts though, 24 points, 20, 17, 14, 23. So, you could probably assume they're going to score about that 18 to 21 mark with him in there. Um, I mean, listen, the question I asked myself, and we even talked about it on Convince Me this morning, is how long can Pittsburgh keep it up, right? They were they were 7-4. and four. They had the minus 2.1 straight up margin. They were – it just – it felt like a luck box. They were high in the luck rankings. So this, is, this was their come down to moment, right? Like Arizona's defense stinks. Like outright, their defense is not good. And the fact that this game turned into what it was kind of just proves what Pittsburgh is. So New England coming up, Indy coming up, Cincinnati coming up. So, you know, could they, you know, maybe they'll roll off three in a row. But this was, you know, one of the good moments. It was just too many points. Yeah. Evan's conclusion, the Steelers were exposed. That's really all it comes down to. All right, Browns, Rams. Uh, let's talk that game now. Rams win 36 to 19. Rams do cover his four point favorites and the over of 40 and a half hits. And the combined age of quarterbacks in this game was 73 years old. Uh, Joe Flacco, 38 years old, starts for the Browns today and looked great right off the hop and then just completely fell off a cliff in the second half. Uh, you know, 
couple turnovers in the second half. He was able to get it to 20. Like he essentially about tied the game with eight minutes to go. Dustin Hopkins misses that extra point. Oh. But once that happened, you kind of knew that this game might go off the rails because that was probably the Browns' best chance of keeping it close. I don't know if they had another touchdown drive in them, and they didn't because that was the final score or at least final output for them. Uh, the Browns, too, their defense, I think that was another big thing is that if you look at by DVOA, defensive DVOA, they rank very high near the top when it comes to pass DVOA and run DVOA for that matter. And they were just allowing a ton of big plays today. Uh, 70 yard touchdown for Puka Nakua, another big rushing. T- uh, it wasn't a touchdown, but almost a touchdown for Puka Nakua. Uh, you're just not used to seeing that on the Browns defense. And yeah, so the Rams now, uh, Evan, I think that's the picture we need to look at because I think the, the Browns are just still in really big trouble in their quarterback situation. If Joe Flacco was there, I'm just not sure they're going to be able to uh, hang on to the playoff spot at seven and five in the AFC. But the Rams are really interesting now because they have won three straight. They're six and six. They're going to face the Ravens here coming up next week. And then the Commanders, Saints, Giants, and 49ers. So it's not the road from hell, but also it's not an easy road to maybe get to that NFC playoff uh, uh, spot here. But what was your takeaway from Browns Rams? Was it just essentially that the Browns just are completely overmatched with Flacco at quarterback? I think the Browns have a nice... uh comparison to the Jets in a sense. And they're kind of in similar scenarios where you have tremendous defenses where you can't find enough offense. You can't find the right quarterback. Now I was I will on the say, Jets last year too. I just remembered that. <laughs> and the thing that the thing that's funny about this is I watched this game and I saw this comment a lot on Twitter and I kind of have to agree. It's just like Flacco didn't play awful. He had 254 passing yards, he had two touchdowns, he had the one interception, but honestly they were trying to come back and it was a little bit of force. But if you compare it to what you've seen in New York, it's just it's unbelievable to me. And I, you know, this is a very separate conversation with the Jets in terms of why they haven't gone outside the building more than they have to find an option. But Cleveland's in the picture. This is their first two-game losing streak of the year. This is the first time they're looking at a skid. They probably wouldn't be looking at this type of skid if they had a decent offensive, you know, output week to week. So I think that's Cleveland's side of it. Now, the Rams, I think week to week. They're better than we thought they were going to be in the preseason, and I think they've kind of kept that week to week, right? That's why they're still in the picture. They're going to go to Baltimore next week. They're probably going to lose. I think those next two games after that are absolutely vital, like you said, versus Washington, versus New Orleans. A 2-0 mm. and o would go a long way, um, but that's kind of my outlook. Now, between Cup and Puka and Kyron Williams, you know, you have a lot of options in the Rams, and I didn't think we would think they'd be that good, but – they're dangerous week to week. Let's move to another game in the NFC between the Dolphins and Commanders. Uh, battle between AFC and NFC where the Dolphins just completely crushed them today. 45 to 15. The Dolphins cover is nine and a half point favorites. Over hits very easily at 49 and a half. Must be, this might have been one of the least sweatiest overs of the year other than maybe uh, Dolphins Broncos where they scored 70 uh, because the total was at 45. Honestly, I don't think I really took a lot away from this game of what I learned from Miami, other than it was nice to see them put up 40 on the road in poor weather as well, especially not that comfort of playing in Miami. And then Tyreek Hill, I mean, if you're going to leave him wide open for a 75-yard touchdown, then you deserve to lose. And it was the worst possible matchup for the commanders because coming into this game, they were, the, they were the worst pass defense in the NFL. They were last in defensive DVOA. And you decide to play man coverage and no safety help on Tyreek Hill, which is just, all right, I guess you want to lose that game. And, I mean, once they were up 38-7, to I was just like, all right, no mas. I, I can't watch this game anymore. Yeah, well, as Simon actually mentioned it on the favorites other day. Washington might be on a no-bet list. We, we might have to just, like, take a minute. Uh, they, they do have a bye week next week, so they're definitely going to be on a no-bet uh, bet, uh, bet list for that. Um, but at Rams, at Jets. So maybe at Rams, you just got to take a week. Because right now, I am kind of intrigued by Washington week to week getting as many points as they are because, because I do feel like they can put up points. That didn't matter at all here. Uh, I mean, this was an absolute blowout. I think you made a really good point about Miami scoring in a bad situation on the road that many. I think – it's a good thing for them. It's a good thing to see away from South Beach. Uh, it's worth noting. Tyreek Hill, 1,481 receiving yards, most for any player through 12 games since 1961. 
He is 484 receiving yards away from breaking Calvin Johnson's record, uh, and it is week 13. So, And let's talk – okay, so let's talk about that because the Dolphins' upcoming schedule, I feel like he could do that or at least put <laughs> a big dent in that next week facing the Titans who are uh, – bottom five in DVOA to wide receiver one. They're, they're one of the worst teams in DVOA versus the deep pass. So that could be another game where he could be going for another 150 yards, maybe even two touchdowns. But I, I say that because they've got the Titans and the Jets coming up. Those are two games that I think they could win. But the final three games of the year are going to be a test for the Dolphins. They're going to play the Cowboys, and then they're going to play the Ravens, and then they're going to play likely a Bills team that is just – clawing to survive to try to make if there is even a chance at by that point of week 18 to make uh, the wild card game so uh i think the dolphins there is still very comfortable position to win the afc east i'm just not confident with that final three games that i would feel great about looking at them for a conference like one seed bet like where they're at right now especially with where the ravens are at nine and three uh depending on how this chiefs packers game goes and then of course uh the jaguars who likely go to nine and three. I think I could say that playing the Bengals, but we'll see, you know, uh, but (laughs) so do you think from a a Dolphins perspective, if we're just looking at them going forward, what's your optimism here? Is is it, you got to get a home playoff game and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I think from now, listen, it's funny saying this after watching them put up this performance on the road and in bad conditions in uh, Washington, but I normally probably prior today would have said a home playoff game would have been very important for them versus maybe some other teams that could have dealt with some conditions. They dealt with some pretty good conditions. You know, that Washington field we've always, always talked about is pretty bad mm-hmm. in itself. Uh, so the performance is good. But yeah, I mean, I think from a from what they do in Miami and how comfortable they're in the building uh, and, you know, that late in the year, it's not like you're going to get a super hot Miami. It doesn't really matter. Um, I don't think their fan base is, you know, exceptionally rabid either. So, a, you know, I think their offense would travel. So I, I'm not exactly sure uh, how vital it is, um, but it'd be nice. Yeah, and I mean, Devon Achan was a big, uh, uh, big return for them today. He scored a touchdown, got a lot of work too, just so that way you don't have to put everything <laughs> on Raheem Mostert. But the fact that you could have a two-headed threat like that from Miami, who's already top three in rush yards per game. Uh, so they're, they're a very uh, versatile offense and just it should be very interesting the way they will match up against a team like the Cowboys and the Ravens because we've seen how they match up against the Bills, but two other teams that try to get in like a track meet kind of thing. So, all right, let's wrap this up. There's three games left, two of them from the NFC South. We kind of touched on them a little bit earlier, but I want to talk a little bit more about it just as the uh, we'll group them together here. Panthers, Buccaneers, Bucks win 21 to 18. Uh, the total of 36 and a half does go over despite being in a insane monsoon there for a little bit in the first half. Uh, the rain did clear out a little bit, but despite being the first eliminated team from playoff contention, Panthers do the Lord's work and they covered that three and a half and they sealed the over by getting that two point convert on that Chuba Hubbard touchdown with five minutes to go. And then the Bucks converted a couple first downs and that was the game. So I, I know that there were people that in my circle who were holding a Panthers ticket and were holding an over ticket in this game. And they were both just over the moon when that two point convert hit. Yeah, dead cat bounce, as we call it. So you got the one-week uh, Carolina win. So now those fired teams, one week after, go 21-16 and 16 against the spread. So pretty decent, uh, especially when you think about those teams were 37% ATS uh, prior to that coaching fire. So I would assume Carolina, after getting eliminated, you probably uh, go back to not really betting them week to week. <laughs> No, I don't think so, especially <laughs> because Mike Evans has just owned that matchup. Mike Evans as well, I think it's worth acknowledging, 10 straight years of 1,000 yards receiving. No other player in NFL history has six. He had five catches for 160 yards and a touchdown today, 75-yard touchdown. Dr. Nick Giffen uh, cashed on his touchdown bet today as well at plus 180. But also the Falcons-Jets. So the Bucks are at 5-7 and seven now in the NFC South, but the Falcons and the Jets, the Falcons win 13-8. to eight. That is correct. It's not a high-scoring baseball game. It, it, that was the final score in an NFL game between two NFL offenses. Uh, the Falcons went 13-8. to Falcons do cover, though, as two-point favorites, and the under of 33-and-a-half hits. I mean, it was 10-5 to at halftime. It was probably about 12 more points than I thought we'd see uh, at halftime. 13-8 uh, final score. Uh, I mean, Tim Boyle was so bad. 
that Robert Sala went to Trevor Simeon today for the Jets situation. So I just don't think there's any way that Aaron Rodgers is coming back now. The, the Jets schedule is still pretty hard. They're four and eight. I think it's a fun story for maybe two seconds for TMZ, but I, I just can't do it from a Jets standpoint. So I think we could just stop talking about them of where, where it's going to be from a wild card standpoint. But the NFC South, Evan, now the Falcons six and six, Saints five and seven, Bucks five and seven. As I was mentioned earlier, like the Falcons and the Bucks are going to be playing here coming up. And if the Bucks win that game, they're right back in the driver's seat now for the lead in the NFC South. Man, I don't know what to do with this division. In the preseason, I like the Falcons. I continue to prefer the Falcons, especially I know Godwin looked okay today, but he's been injured, and I think that really hurts the Bucks. And the Saints are an absolute mess right now, especially their receiving core is really banged up. Um, so Lana seems like the good call. I just don't trust Desmond Ritter, and he's played better than Heineke. So I, I kind of have to just uh, take a deep breath and allow him to play quarterback in this offense and hope that he's not the reason uh, that they end up kind of giving the games away. Uh Talking about the Jets just for one second, because I think this one number is just incredible. So they were two for 15 on third down today. So two for 15 on third down, 37 of 160 on third down for the season. That 23.1% would be the worst for any team in the wildcard era through 12 games. So that is kind of the encapsulating number for the Jets this year is they're just making it really, really hard on themselves, which is inherently making it more difficult on the defense. And, uh, you're seeing the output. And that's gotten worse as the year has gone yeah. on. They were at like around 25 to 28% and we were making fun of how it was going. <laughs> and then over the last couple of games, it's just gotten worse now where it's just like, oh man, like that kind of like hurts my heart to watch right like now. It's almost just watching like a rotting corpse. Like I can't, I can't do it anymore. All right. But now another game I can do though is watching the Patriots tank job because the Chargers win six to nothing over the Patriots today, the total of 38 and a half, which did go up, by the way, before kickoff. It was around 36 and went up to 38 and a half by kickoff. It still goes comfortably under. And the Chargers do cover as four and a half point uh, favorites. But I think the main takeaway from this game is the race to the first pick because the Patriots now fall to two and 10, but the Cardinals with that win over the Steelers seed that position now they are three and nine around the third position uh we'll see how that shakes out but the panthers still comfortably at one and 11 for the race to draft potentially caleb williams all i'll say is this i've got some tickets on new england to have the worst record in the nfl i've got some tickets on them to have the fewest offensive points uh let's just keep it up that's all i gotta ask for Uh, all i'm asking for is just a bunch a few more zeros uh, some some more field goals, and we're all just going to be fine. I mean, the Patriots' defense did play well, though. They, they've had three straight games now where they've held an opponent to 10 points or less and have not won a game. And, Incredible. Uh, looking that up, that was the first time, I believe, since like 1938. Uh, and Bailey Zappi, he got sacked in Chargers territory, their one lone red zone trip, three straight times. The Chargers finished with five sacks for the game. I'm, again, I'm not sure if this is rock bottom for the Patriots, but again, the tank job just continues and the Chargers, all they had to do was just show up and you got the win. Yeah, I believe it was their first shutout at home since 2016. Patriots now 2-10 and 10 against the spread this year, so that would be the worst in the NFL. Also, they've never been 2-10 and 10 ATS in the history of their franchise, so this is an absolute worst for them. Uh, and honestly, if you're a fan of the team, you just want it to get worse and worse and worse because you might as well just head to where you're going to go. Well, now you're going to have an even more fun matchup next week when the total is at probably a 29 and a half between the Patriots and the Steelers. <laughs> to, you ready for uh, this one? Yeah, it's, oh, uh, give it to me. Yeah, yeah. So right now it's 32 and a half. Last time I looked uh, and it would be tied. Well, it's the lowest over under for any game this season because uh, 33 and a half was the uh, one before that. But it would be tied for the lowest total for any game since December 2008. And it is the lowest total in a night game since Bears-Falcons 2005, which was 31. That was Kyle Orton versus Michael Vick. And I would put money on the idea that that's a good number because that number <laughs> will go down uh, by the time you get to kickoff. I think the public will get very much behind that once they see the quarterback matchup and once we learn a little bit more about 
Trubisky and uh, potentially Bailey Zappi facing off in the matchup of week 14. All right, so that's all the Sunday games. Let's now check in with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how sportsbooks fared in Las Vegas for week 13. Hi again, Jill. Thanks for having me on the Action Network podcast this week. This has been a pretty entertaining NFL Sunday, NFL week. The public rolls once again. This is two weeks in a row where a whole lot of favorites have come through. And that's obviously been very good for betters and definitely a bit of a beatdown for the bookmakers. This could have been an absolute bloodletting on Sunday. And it was it was close. It almost it almost was. But even then, it was still a pretty good day for betters here in Vegas and at sportsbooks across the country. And the reason was, look, in those first 10 games leading up into the Sunday night game, you had the favorites go 9-1 straight up, 8-2 and two against the spread. Uh, the only favorite that lost was the Steelers, and nobody really is betting on the Steelers. They know that that show is smoke and mirrors, and that was proven today against Arizona, which they lost. And I had Arizona on the money line. I just knew that game was coming, and there it was. So a nice little win for me today, Joe Q Public as well. But... The thing, like I said, eight and two against the spread going into the night game with the Chiefs and the Packers, and everything was running to the Chiefs. Tons of money line parlays, surely a whole lot of teasers, straight bet parlays, and so forth. It was all running to Kansas City, and in fact, Scott Shelton, after the day unfolded the way it did with the with the favorites doing so well, I texted him. He's with BetMGM here in Las Vegas. I asked him, "How badly do you need the Packers tonight?" And he said, "Really bad." We are taking a dull axe to the back of our head today. That's a pretty good quote. A dull axe to the back of our head today. So such was the state of the sports books and how well the sports betters were doing. Now, obviously, Kansas City doesn't get there for the betters tonight. Packers get the outright win, 27 to 19. So that helped give a little bit back to the books. But Scott Shelton said what that Packer win did was prevented a historically bad Sunday and turned it into just a bad Sunday. And a couple of other odds makers said likewise. One other one that I talked to here in Las Vegas said it helped us for sure to have Green Bay win outright. But he said the damage was done and we still had a tough day. But the Packers winning prevented it from being really awful. Looking ahead to the Monday night game, this is from BetMGM a little bit earlier on Sunday. So as this unfolds on Monday, this is going to probably change to some degree, but I do think the Jaguars are going to be very much the public play. But going into Sunday, at least, tickets and money on the spread were a little more than 2-1 to one in favor of the Jaguars against the Bengals, and obviously the Bengals are without with Joe Burrow, very much shorthanded. So a little over 2-1 to one tickets and money on the spread in favor of Jacksonville. On the money line, if you're interested in that as well, dead even on tickets at BetMGM. This is BetMGM nationwide, by the way, not just BetMGM here in Vegas. Dead even on money line tickets, but two to one money line cash, again, on the Jaguars. So they're even laying that that juice up to, you know, minus 450 or so on Jacksonville, this line, because this line has gone up quite a bit. I think it opened seven and a half and it's, it's up to nine and a half, I believe. So plenty of interest in Jacksonville on Monday night. Although if people had their... Moneyline parlays go into the Chiefs and then onward to the Jags. Well, a lot of that probably got blown up with the Chiefs losing outright. Now, looking ahead to NFL Week 14, odds already on the board, and I talked to an odds maker on this Sunday night here in Las Vegas about several of the key matchups this week, the more notable games coming up in this next week. Specifically, we talked about the Sunday night football game. Going to be a dandy. You got the Eagles at the Cowboys. The Eagles are going to be sore. They're going to be peeved. They're coming off getting embarrassed at home by the Niners. I mean, look, it's no shame losing to the Niners, but the Eagles got rocked. I mean, 42 to 19, the Niners went up and down the field on Philly. So the Eagles are certainly going to be not in a good mood as as they head to Dallas. But Dallas is on a four-game win streak, put up 41 points in, in week 13 against Seattle at home. Granted, it took all they had to beat Seattle. They beat Seattle 41-35, did not cover. They were nine, nine and a half point favorites. The Cowboys were, did not cover that number. But Dallas has won four in a row, and now they're at home against Philly. Again, Philly's probably going to be pretty hungry. Uh, what the odds maker did with this game is opened the Cowboys minus three. Dallas quickly moved to minus three and a half, and then kind of settled at three minus 120. I'm talking to you late Sunday night, and I think there's been a shift back to Dallas three and a half, even money with this odds maker. So he said that this isn't a clear cut one-sided betting game. He said the public still has trust in Philly overall, which the public should because Jill 
Philly is 10 and 2, so there's plenty of reason. And they're pretty good against the spread as well. I think 7 3 and 2. So, look, the public's not going to jump off that bus just yet, but certainly there's going to be a fair amount of public play on Dallas this week. What he did say is Eagles Cowboys will be a very high handle game. Kansas City, as we talked about, upset road loss against the Packers in week 13. Open minus three at home against the Bills for week 14. Now that opening number went up before Kansas City lost to Green Bay 27 to 19. And Buffalo coming off a bye and desperate with a six and six record. The oddsmaker said the Bills are power rated much higher than that six and six record, but he expects the book is going to be rooting hard for Buffalo here. He doesn't think the, the public's going to jump on board, even though Buffalo has got a better power rating than its record. Public's going to be all over the Chiefs, especially coming off a loss and returning home. Now, the aforementioned 49ers fresh off a phenomenal and very impressive win at Philadelphia. Again, 42 to 19 in case you missed it. So San Fran opens as a 12 and a half point home favorite against Seattle. Seattle just a few weeks ago, this was a team everybody was, you know, intrigued by and, and thought would be in the playoff mix. They're going to have to fight their way back in if the Seahawks are. The oddsmaker said San Fran has turned back into the buzzsaw it was early in the season. No question after that win over Philly. He added that this line might trend toward minus 10, might see it, you know, shift that direction a little bit. But he said he fully expects the book is going to need a Seattle cover in that Seahawks-Niners game. So there you have it, Jill. A little look at how NFL Week 13 went behind the counter and on our side of the counter. Another good week for public betters. Quick look at that Bengals-Jaguars Monday night game and a look ahead to some of the key matchups in NFL Week 14. Have a great week. Okay, thank you, Patrick. And thank you for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football and keep an eye out for all of our NFL Week 14 podcasts right here on the Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.